Here we go with another edition of Gaz on the Go. Everything you need to know in the world of sports in 30 minutes and less. However, this may be the only time we ever do a part one and part two of Gaz on the Go. If you've been following Gaz on the Go, you know we usually tape late Wednesday night. And the Lakers and the Warriors are playing. Now we're going to get the discussion of what the play-in tournament actually is. And wow, I feel like it's actually kind of close to a Jim Carrey movie in character. But for my fellow friends who like to wager on sports, this is truly the best weekend of any weekend. That's including March Madness. That's including the Kentucky Derby. That's including week one of college football in the NFL. The best bets, the best time to wager is really this upcoming weekend. And I'll explain more of that in part two of Gaz on the Go. Now, a lot of the sites right now, the odds for the Eastern Conference, Western Conference, NBA Finals, Stanley Cup. A lot of stuff is moving on Wednesday night. And I want to talk about my $100 pyramid way of winning with payouts and everything else. I've never actually explained the $100 pyramid payout. So that's coming in part two. It's a very heavy gambling stuff and probably the most gambling I'll ever talk in the guys on the go. If you want your gambling stuff, we got a podcast on the way. I teased it last week, and I'm kicking myself it didn't debut last week because I would have talked about my trifecta I nailed in the Preakness. But nonetheless, okay, that's your pre-warning. So this is a part one and part two episode. So we will still be talking about the biggest stories in sports, but if you want your gambling stuff, that's going to be in part two once those odds are set for the conferences, especially the West. Before we hit all those big topics, I want to first talk about my friend Connor Lind, Northeastern Insurance for your auto, home, and business insurance needs. Call Connor Lind at Northeastern Insurance. Broker agency representing over those 20 nationally ranked carriers including progressive and nationwide metlife and more connor lynn's making that process easy and simple for you he's a great guy easy to work with wants to hustle and make things happen save time save your energy let connor do the work for you he'll shop for you for that initial policy setup by the way each renewal he'll do the full policy review to make sure you're saving some cash and find that most competitive rate for you give him a call today 518-346-2886 518-346-2886 or email him at Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R-L at N-E-Mail.com. Again, Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R-L at N-E-Mail.com for the Northeastern Insurance team that's going to take care of you and to make sure you're getting the right quote. And by the way, he's going to hook you up with that free, no obligation quote today. It's Connor Lind over at Northeastern Insurance helping you save some cash and Shout out to our friends over at Easy Up. You might remember it's not too long ago we were out live and looking forward to this spring and summer doing more live events. We were able to do it thanks to the great people at Easy Up, EZUP.com. Again, EZUP.com. Maybe it's a canopy. Maybe it's the big banner like you see with me. All those things can happen. 25% off the best seller, the Patriot Vent, going on right now. So check out the Patriot Vent. If you don't know what I'm talking about, guys, did you say that wrong? No. EZUP.com. You'll find out more information about everything you can save for those big events you got coming up. 25% off the Patriot vented material going on right now. Custom artwork if you need it. EZUP.com. They'll take care of that as well. Love our friends over at EZUP. We start with the New York Yankees and not so much about the action on the field. Look, it's mid-May. We're going to have a lot of time to talk about the Yankees and the back and forth. Stuff that's going to happen from mid-May to late May to June. Unless it's a big injury. Probably not going to be that much different for the Yankees, but we'll see. What I'm more concerned about for Yankee fans is the news involving ESPN and Derek Jeter that it was announced this week that the captain 
a six-part docu-series is going to come to ESPN in 2022, probably in similar thought of The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, the Tom Brady documentary that's on the way. We're not going to get a Derek Jeter version of that. You listening, you might be even old enough to remember when ESPN did something called Sports Century, which is basically kind of like this, where they profiled athletes' careers and how they got to their spots, and they ranked the athletes before the turn of the millennium of who were the top 50 athletes of all time, and then post that, they did that. I bring up Sports Century because I wonder if that's how it's really going to be set up. Because one of the longest docu-series ESPN done was an Academy Award-winning docu-series about O.J. Simpson. O.J. Made in America was raw and uncut. Guess who wasn't behind it? O.J. O.J. wasn't behind it. That's why I won an Oscar. That's why it's the best thing ESPN has ever done. Ever. Yeah, live events, that's in a whole different category. I'm talking about original programming for ESPN. O.J. Made in America is the best. Now, if you love the Chicago Bulls, you love Michael Jordan, you probably love that. But remember, MJ was a part of that thing. And MJ at times didn't look like the best person or the best teammate for how aggressive he was. But the final call came to Michael Jordan because MJ kept that footage from that 90s Bulls team, especially the 1998 one, under wraps until LeBron James won a championship. And then he finally said, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm going to show that I'm a GOAT. Derek Jeter, truly one of the most guarded athletes of all time, living in New York and really never having a true scandal behind the gift baskets. How open real and authentic is this documentary going to be about these guys? Because if someone's doing a documentary about you, how deep do you want to cut? As I said in my first episode here on getting there with Gaz and Gaz on the go, Godzilla media, all that stuff, the first episode I ever put out for a podcast, I think it quoted Usher and said, if I'm going to tell it, then I got to tell it all from confessions. Are these guys going to be willing to do that? Look, I'm a sports fan. I'm going to watch. But the naysayers and the haters are going to say it was too much a love fest for you. And we're talking about some of the best athletes of all time. The ego is already there. I could sit on this docuseries forever, but I was way more fascinated by the internet attacking Derek Jeter. Welcome, Derek Jeter. You have now entered the Mount Rushmore of hate, as I call it. The internet hates three athletes, and we found the four. And in no particular order, if you go on your own Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, comments on a sports article, these three athletes get the most venom. Again, no particular order. Colin Kaepernick, LeBron James, and Joe Namath. Joe Namath because of his stats and Gen Zers look him up and just rip him apart. LeBron James because of the Michael Jordan stands out there. And Colin Kaepernick because of his political views. The fourth one is Derek Jeter. When ESPN announced this docuseries is on the way, go find the tweet and read the venom about Derek Jeter. I will fully admit, I had heard that there were some rumblings from outside of New York that Derek Jeter was a bad defensive player. Boy, the nerds took over. The nerds took over. I'm listening and watching some of these takes about Jeter on defense, and I swear to you, I thought I was watching Bill Murray in Space Jam the way people were making this thing out to be. Bunny, down in the post. You dish it back out to the guy, Bunny. You swing around the mic over here. You go to the hole and dominate. We own defense. Oh, yeah. Whoa. I don't play defense. All right, you're going to have to listen to Mike on this, guys. Listen up. And the nerds even convinced me that he was worse than Bill Murray in Space Jam on defense. Here are some of the stats that involve the Jeter hate. Derek Jeter posted a negative 152 defensive runs saved. 
for you non-nerds, that means an impending run from scoring by making a non-routine play. He ranks the worst in the history of baseball and two times worse, the second worst player ever in that stat. Derek Jeter had a negative 661 ultimate zone rating. Number of outs above or below in range runs explained or run errors. Worst in baseball history. Okay, there's about three more of these stats that I could go through, but I want to bore you to death. I'm going to quote and leave this quote out here from one of our pals, Matt Verderam, on a previous podcast, who said, Who cares? Who cares? Why does anyone care? Guys, he had over 3,000 hits. He had multiple championships. He was a core part of the New York Yankees. Yes, he was bad on defense. Should he have won some of these gold gloves? It's hard for me to break down the 1990 defensive statistics of all these players in the past. And some of these stats I just read off to you, I've never heard of until this week on Twitter. So if you want to give the claim now, sabermetric guy, that Derek Jeter was overrated on defense, okay, maybe this is what would have happened if in the mid-2000s we had Twitter. We would have found out that maybe Jeter should have played third and A-Rod should have played shorts up. That's all long gone now. Like, what are we arguing with? Who cares? The guys in the Hall of Fame, the guys won championships, the guys have won 3,000 hits. Is this what I'm set up to have for the next year and a half? Derek Jeter sucked at defense tanks? I've lost it. I can't even argue with him at this point because I'm going to lose. I'm going to get guys with the calculators out telling me how bad Jeter was on defense. I'm going to tell you. Why does anyone care? Guys, he's the best shortstop in my era the last 25 years. Who's second? You want to put A-Rod in there? Okay, he cheated. A-Rod was great, but the steroid thing can be dropped on him. He goes back to Selena Roberts in the mid-2000s if we want to go back that far with A-Rod when he actually did start to cheat. Cal Ripken? I lean him towards the more 80s and 90s. So Jeter's the best shortstop of an era. You put Jeter still in the conversation as one of the great shortstops of all time. Who else is in it? Omar Vizquel in that era? He's not in the Hall of Fame yet. Ozzie Smith's too far above that in that era, and I'm talking about timeline-wise, closer to the 80s. Jeter's the best shortstop. Stop with the hate. Yes, you got me. He stunk on defense. I'm not going to win these arguments with you. I wish social media was around, or maybe I don't, that I could have learned more about this in the 2000s. Knock it off. I don't want to hear more about the Jeter stuff because I feel like truly these are made-up stats. Where the hell did these stats come from? The internet hates Derek Jeter, and you know what, nerds, you got me. You've convinced me that Derek Jeter sucked on defense. The play-in round is underway in the NBA. And again, I'm not going to go over the scores and everything else with you. You're going to know the results of all those games by the time you listen to this podcast. What I'm more focused on is what the hell is the play-in game? Like, what is this? What are we, what are we doing? The Spurs and the Grizzlies and the Pacers and the Hornets. Like, this is a mess. Seven versus eight. Nine versus 10. And again, we're learning on this podcast. Maybe don't look, there's no shame on this podcast this week. I feel like that's the theme of part one. If you didn't know a lot of these things, that's okay. Cause I was learning with you. So originally I thought it was seven versus eight was stupid because it should be seven versus 10 and eight versus nine, like we see in other brackets. And then you'd split it off like that. But now, like if you win the game, you advance. But if you lose, you can still get in and possibly win that. I was totally confused. I didn't know what the hell was happening, but it was entertaining. And that's what it's become. You know what the play-in tournament is? I'm going to go full cowherd on this take. I'm going full analogy for a movie. It is the Ace Ventura of sports. And you're thinking, guys, how the hell is Jim Carrey's Ace Ventura 
like the play-in tournament of the NBA. Okay, so around my house, Baby Rex loves Ace Venture. I don't know how the hell this happened. Maybe it was just Jordan and I got sick and tired of watching baby video after baby video. We needed something else. We had Vice TV on, and all of a sudden, Ace Ventura was on, and he was bouncing up and down like a madman. And I'm thinking, oh, it's Jim Carrey growing crazy. Like, this is the play-in tournament. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. That's what it is. Look at, look at Jim Carrey going crazy. I don't know what the hell he's doing. He's got a tutu on. He's dancing around. He's making faces. But it's entertaining as hell. I can't stop watching it. I've watched that scene about 50 times the last two weeks, and I haven't got sick of it. That's what Lakers Warriors is. Steph Curry, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. That's what the Hornets are. The Hornets got smacked by the Pacers. But I see bridges and ball on SportsCenter all the time. John Morant's exciting. The play-in tournament is chaos. It's wild. It's nuts. It was hard to figure out. But did it make the sport better? Yep. I can't wait to find out the ratings of Warriors Lakers. I bet they're going to be through the roof. Sometimes things are just too weird, bizarre. But you can't take your eyes off it. Whether it's that wormhole you go down on YouTube it's too weird to explain. I can't tell you why my 11-month-old son is hilarious when it comes to how his reactions are to Ace Ventura. The facial reactions of Jim Carrey more. I can't explain it, but it entertains him. The play-in tournament. I can't explain to you how it's going to benefit the league. Maybe it's just ratings. Simple as that. Maybe it's just a COVID thing and they're going to knock it off after for the future. But it's entertaining. I'm confused by it, and I'm probably going to keep watching it. Just like Ace Ventura in this house, I'm going to keep watching the play-in tournament. I'm struggling with this Tony La Russa story involving the Chicago White Sox. If you haven't followed the story, Tony La Russa, the Hall of Famer now managing the White Sox, was upset over one of his own players' home runs because he smashed it on a 3-0 pitch. La Russa, quote, Mercedes made a mistake. There will be a consequence he has to endure here within our family. What? What are, we, what are we talking about? If you haven't seen the cut, basically Mercedes blasts the home run because the pitcher lobbed it over the plate like an Ephus pitch. 47 miles an hour. He's basically throwing underhand, and he smashed it. Good for him. But it's not so much about La Russa versus Mercedes because I would feel like, hey, if you're going to smash a home run, you're out there to play and compete. Don't try to almost embarrass me by throwing this over the plate like that. What I struggle with is am I supposed to get all worked up about the La Russa thing? Like that's what bothers me about it. Not so much about the take of old school versus new school. I feel like that's the easy one because most of us listening are probably taking the new school take anyways. It's about baseball overall. Is this all we have? I've told you on so many of these episodes that I love MLB TV, even though people argue about the blackout rules. I love Fernando Tatis Jr., even though he's been hurt this season. There are certain things that have become entertaining in baseball. DeGrom, oh man, I'm starting to notice that a lot of these guys I mentioned have been hurt. Is Gaza's curse for real? No. But what really is is that we have these baseball stars and these athletes, but we want to, and I'm talking about the national media in particular, dive into the negative storyline about baseball. Ooh, yeah, that'll get the people going. Let's talk about pace of play. Oh, we've already done that? Okay, okay, okay. Oh, uh, how about not building stars? Oh, no, Fernando Tatis is getting popular. Uh, uh, we already did the pace of play thing again. Ooh, ooh, yeah, go back to that old school, new school thing, how things are wrong in baseball. Is it hard to talk about baseball day in and day out and find storylines? The answer to that is yes, it, it is. 
to separate, and I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, to separate something from May to June to July, unless it's a big injury or a big run by a team, it's hard to break off storyline by storyline. Where the NFL, college football, and other sports benefit is there's truly storylines each week when it comes to matchups and injuries and conference standings and playoffs and more. I'm struggling because I know this is not the last time we're going to hear from an old-school baseball voice. Back in my day, we didn't do stuff like this. And I feel like as long as baseball is going to go on, not just now, but 10 years, 20 years from now, the old-school voice isn't going to go away because writers and radio hosts and bloggers, podcast hosts, maybe I'm a victim of this, are going to continue to echo those claims. And by echo, I mean give it attention, say it again, make sure people heard it. That's the thing with Tony LaRusso. You could have just moved on. Maybe LaRusso's weirdness of this whole thing, saying we're going to have this type of payback like he's a member of the mob on his own team, was what really caused the stir. Just let him be the way he is. He's not going to change. And the White Sox knew that when they hired him. That's what I feel for baseball. People just want to hit on the negative. This would be like if you're a football fan and all you heard about was concussions and how it's ruining the sport every time you talked about football. This would be like if you're a basketball fan and all you ever heard about was how the three-point line has ruined basketball. How mad would you be if you're a hockey fan and all you hear about is that nobody watches? If you hear that stuff over and over again, it just pisses you off. Like How is baseball fan not even mad about this? It's not so much about La Russa versus Mercedes versus anybody. It's about we have to hear these played-out storylines year after year. Give it a rest. You know how you don't hear about La Russa and these old-school baseball guys? Ignore them. Stop giving them attention, and then maybe they'll go away. Mike Trout, the star of baseball, and he truly is. He was off to his best start in the history of his career. He's hurt. He's going to be out for likely two months. But national storyline, all I hear all May and April, Trout and Otani, Otani and Trout. And trust me, they're putting up amazing stats. They're doing things we haven't seen since Babe Ruth in this sport. But why do the Angels suck? Like, can we talk about that for a second? Could you imagine if we had, again, we'll do cross-sports comparisons one more time. If someone talked about how great this basketball player was and that was putting up 45 a game and his team was like the third worst in the league. And we'd be like, okay, but they suck and he's not making his team better. Same thing for football. Could you imagine a player putting up tons of stats? Matthew Stafford is sort of like this in his career. That he put up great numbers. He'd be like, yeah, he's one of the best. Yeah, but the Lions suck. Like, the Angels aren't good. What else do the Angels need? You have Otani, you have Trout. And it's not as if they're bad in 2021. They've never been good, like, ever. Mike Trout, is the stat still just one playoff appearance in his career, which was a quick in and out against the Royals? We're just going to keep constantly talking about how great Trout is, how great Otani is, how great Trout is, how great Otani. How about they win some games? Like, Oakland has no talent. Right now, could you name three players on the Oakland A's? They're seven games up on the Angels. Seven. Could you name somebody on the Mariners? The Mariners are ahead of the Angels. So that's what's happening with the Angels. We want to talk about the great names in baseball and everything else, how wonderful they are. Win! Like, how many years in a row were you going to give excuses to him? At least we had some moments with Ken Griffey Jr. And I know the Mariners had their ups and downs at that time, and Ken Griffey Jr. was out there. But I feel like we had some moments in the 90s, right? That slide in the kingdom and everything else with Griffey Jr. 
That was their Barry Bonds, and that Giants team got all the way to the World Series before they lost to all the Angels in 2002. 2002, 19 years ago. Trout and Otani are great. Trout's going to the DL, and I can't wait till he comes back and people still argue whether or not he should win the MVP. How about the Angels get good? It's pitching 230 runs against at one point. It's so obvious. Just fix it. They stink. And, like, I want to say, all right, Goss, so what is it? Trout's fault he's not hitting 500. It's Otani's fault he's not pitching, hitting, selling popcorn and hot dogs and everything. No. I guess the amazement for me of these guys starts to get lessened when the team's not good. When the team isn't good, but I'm supposed to say how great these guys are, I just don't get as excited as Otani and Trout as other people, I guess, do. If the Angels were in first place and they did this, wow. The Angels stink. One of the phrases I love is cautiously optimistic. I always love that phrase because a lot of sports fans love that phrase, cautiously optimistic. You like your team, how they're going to play, but you don't want to get too excited and have them let you down. Sort of how I feel about FCS football this year. FCS, we're talking about Sam Houston State, North Dakota State, James Madison, those schools that are basically one level below FBS. And Barrett Solly, who writes for CBS Sports, wrote a column this week that said it's time for them, FCS football, to make the move to the spring. You can continue to have all this attention. You can have all these fans come to your games. You can have this real chance to kind of separate yourself from FBS football and have center stage. What? Barrett, where you been, bro? I love football just as much as anybody. I can promise you I didn't watch any FCS football. ESPN had contracts with baseball and the NBA. Now they've got a contract with hockey and everything. When was it on? There was no attention. They decided ESPN, and maybe it's the power of television that still even exists in the power of streaming in 2021. There was no extra coverage to FCS football like you'd maybe have hoped. We've seen spring leagues in the past like the XFL and more, and the XFL got full-on coverage on ESPN. It helps that Vince McMahon bought the airtime. But the FCS football level got nothing, nowhere close to what I'd hoped would have happened. It seemed like a good idea. Hey, you know what? The FCS, it's football in the spring. They're going to have an opportunity to sell their product and put their names out there more than ever before. Think about to yourself, how often do you watch any of the FCS football this year? Did you know who won? Did you know a team named Sam Houston State spells their name with a K instead of a C in Bearcats? It bombed. Like a TV show moving to a different day? It didn't work. I'm bummed it didn't work. I was rooting for FCS football to have a new stamp in the spring because it would have been kind of cool to have football all that time. Nah, it didn't. I thought for one year it'd be worth it. Hey, let's see football in the fall. Let's see football in the spring and see if it pays off. Nope, bad idea. Stunk, terrible. Put it back in the fall. Let the alumni go and tailgate for the fall weather and everything else. Have your Saturdays packed wall-to-wall with D3 to D1 football. I'll use the old school terms. FCS football bombed in the spring. You want to blame ESPN? That's fine. You want to blame somebody else for not putting it on TV and promoting it anymore? Why would they? They have partners who paid for it. They had contracts with other leagues. Bad idea. They thought it could work. I feel bad for the athletes who didn't get the attention they may have hoped that they were going to get. Let's never do it again. No more FCS football in the spring. Here I was all excited. I was going to get Fury versus Joshua. We were going to see these two heavyweights collide, and I've been talking to you about it. But I wanted Wembley Stadium to be packed, and there the message comes across. And if you miss it, here he is, Tyson Fury, talking about August 14th, Joshua versus Fury. 
some massive news for you all, guys. I've just got off the phone from Prince Khalid of Saudi Arabia. Um, he told me this fight's a 100% on. Uh, August 14th, 2021, summertime. All eyes of the world will be on the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And I cannot wait, repeat, cannot wait to smash Anthony Joshua on the biggest stage of all times. This is going to be the biggest sporting event ever to grace the planet Earth. Do not miss it. All eyes on us. Peace out. God bless. See you all in Saudi. Yes. Get it. Quote Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. So uh, an arbitrator has ruled that Fury has to fight Deontay Wilder. Has to happen. And at this point, you know what? As much as I love Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua can own him when it comes to the trash talk for this moment. For this. Because Tyson Fury is a smart guy. He really is when it comes to promotions and talking and getting the biggest fight, all that stuff. Like he's a genius in this. He's truly saved the heavyweight division. Like he used to rip the Klitschko's, and rightfully so. He's brought the heavyweight boxing division back to relevancy because of what he's done. But I said he was smart. He wants to stay out of the ring against Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder is not a boxer, he's a puncher. Go watch those two fights against Fury. He was just such a knockout artist. Then when he actually had to box somebody or box, as Fury likes to say with that English accent, he couldn't do it. The fear is that he steps Tyson Fury into the ring with Deontay Wilder, and Wilder gives him that one punch that almost took him out in the first bout between these two. Would you step in the ring with Deontay Wilder? Even though Deontay Wilder doesn't have the name like George Foreman or Rocky Marciano or Mike Tyson, he's got to be in that list of top four to five heavyweights of all time with knockout power. Not great boxer, not great fighter, one of the great knockout heavyweights in the history of the sport. But I said Anthony Joshua has the leverage now for trash talk because Joshua's going to tell him, you're afraid of fighting Wilder a third time. Your fault, get in the ring. Go fight him this summer. Go fight him in July or August and come see me on Christmas Day in Saudi Arabia or come see me on New Year's Eve or whatever, late December. You can fight me then, but get in the ring with Wilder before then. I'm not a legal expert, but I feel like Freer's got to do it. And I feel like as a Fury fan, I'm cool with it. Give me one more. You know what? If I'm going to get Joshua and Fury at some point, just fight Wilder one more time. Unless he became a better boxer overnight, Fury should be able to handle him a third time, and we get this fight, Joshua versus Fury. I think the ego of Fury might say, screw it. I'm going to the ring. Let's do it one more time because I don't have a choice. And I'll sell a bunch of pay-per-views, and I'll get Joshua when I want him. Now, that's this edition of Goss on the Go. You're probably looking at your clock and you're thinking, whoa, whoa, we got a few more minutes left. We do. But again, because of taping, I want to dive into this pyramid of betting. I want to talk about how it's your opportunity this weekend to make a ton of cash. Look, I know you love March Madness and the Super Bowl and all these other weekends. But the reason I called it the best betting weekend is the high potential payouts. The best way to do future wagers and parlay those future wagers. I did it for the Super Bowl. I nailed Chiefs Buccaneers in the preseason. There's a great piece of advice I got about betting on futures that you probably don't know, and you might be able to do it as soon as it's Friday. So get ready. Part two of Gods on the Go is just right after this. Going to come out next. <laughs> 